Chiefs Kingdom, welcome into the latest episode of the AP Draft Talk podcast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. As always, it's Ron Cop Jr., lead analyst at the site, joining you, hosting today's show. And as you guys are probably used to by now, a little bit of a rotation of guests on the on the Thursday or the Friday, I should say, Friday Draft Talk show. Great guest here today. We're, we're talking all things Chiefs Draft. That is Jared Sapp. You can find his work on ArrowheadPride.com. Had a great Marcus Jones article out uh, this week. Um, doing some more stuff for us that we'll get into soon. But Jared, first of all, we're three weeks from the draft, man. How are you feeling? Is, are you getting any uh, nerves for the draft? Kind of. It's a point where I'm just really nervous. I'm not going to like how the draft goes. <laughs> and the wide variety of mock drafts, the players I want, sometimes it looks like they're there. Sometimes they're a lot sooner than a lot. Sometimes they go a lot earlier than I think they will. It's, it's nerve wracking. Yeah, no, I, I think that's the nail on the head. I think we're all just nervous that we come out of Thursday night, not even knowing who the guy is. They pick 29 and 30, you know, uh, I've been there before with a, with a Breland speaks pick. Uh, oh, yes. I, 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 I was not that into the draft back then. I did not know who it was. And just, just say I was not a happy camper, but, uh, Real quick, though, I uh, just want to plug real quick on the site. You know, we got top 30 visits coming out, which is exciting. Kind of get to see which players uh, the Chiefs are bringing in to, to get a, another look at. You know, Devontae Wyatt was one of the bigger names first, but smaller school names like a James Houston IV. I had a preview of him out on the site. Uh, Eastern Carolina cornerback Jaquan McMillan. Uh, that's another name that we might write up. George Pickens, big name. Uh, we had Rocky write him up. He has a great uh, post out. Lucas Kroll, the Kansas City area native tight end, also visited with the Chiefs. So all of that you can find on the site. We have a, a free agent tracker. And then also, or for, I should say a signing tracker, not free agent tracker. But also, speaking of free agents, Taylor Stallworth, defensive tackle from the Indianapolis Colts, signed with the Chiefs uh, recently. I actually wrote up a quick film review on him for the site. So make sure you go look at that and check out uh, what to expect from the newest Chiefs defensive tackle. But here we go with another visit that I did not mention because it actually happened just recently. And Jared has already jumped on it and, and tweeted out some clips. So if you want to go and check out who we're about to talk about. But Texas Tech wide receiver, here we go, Eric Ezukenma. Ezukanma. Ezukama. Look at that. That, that. And that's why you're the one writing up the profile, Jared. Uh, Found it on what, NFL.com. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so far, you've only just div- div- uh, dove into him real quick. So far, what have you liked or what have you seen from him? Um, he's a very, very fun player. Um, you know, one thing I saw throughout the season when none of it, when it seemed like the Chiefs just did not have a solution for too high over and over and over again, I, I kept saying, well, why don't the Chiefs just take Tyree Kill or McCall Hardman and just pound it at the other team like the way the 49ers do Devo Samuel? And, I mean, the best answer for that is that their tiny Debo Samuel is about the size of both of them put together. Exactly. Ezukama would be a player that you, you can do that with. I mean, you could probably just take him and run in between the tackles and pick up five yards if they're going to drop everybody back in coverage. Um, some really fun gadget plays I'm seeing with him. And he's just really, really big, like, he can jump over most NFL DBs and probably come down with the ball. He's a big dude. Um, he can catch the ball in a crowd. One of the clips I put up of him, uh, you see him just get a touchdown that if Mahomes threw that to anybody in the receiving core last year, except 
maybe Kelsey, I'd probably be groaning at the TV because I'd be sure that either the ball was going to be intercepted or the receiver would struggle so much to get to the ball that it would bounce straight up in the air and then be intercepted. Um, really like some of the clips I'm seeing. It's just very different because he's not going to get separation from guys. And it seems like, especially with Mahomes, we've uh, we've really just focused so much on separation instead of contested catchability. And that would just be the opposite. Yeah. Um, I believe – I believe he was in Texas Tech long enough that he probably would have been recruited by Kingsbury staff. I mean, of course, Mahomes has been gone so long, he doesn't have any more teammates at Texas Tech. But it, I do believe that he his time beginning there probably ended coincided with the last year Cliff Kingsbury was there. So maybe, maybe he would fit well in that offense. They've had some quarterback problems. So watching Texas Tech film, it's not the air raid college offense that we saw Mahomes in and he's from right here where I live in Fort Worth, Texas. So I also like that. There you go. No, that's a, that's a good point though. You make about the change of uh, coaching staff at Texas tech, because yeah, you're right. It, it It's not the same. You know, you watch Texas tech. It is not what you imagine when you watch the, when you remember Graham Harrell and Michael Crabtree or, or yeah, obviously the Patrick Mahomes air raid offenses as well. But uh, yeah, real quick as measurables, just because you mentioned it. Uh, he's 6'2", 209 uh, at the combine, came in with a 89th percentile arm length, which, you know, obviously is, is you know, tells you about his size. And then also uh, 82nd percentile broad jump, 64th percentile vertical leap. Um, so, yeah, pretty good athlete, although he did not run the 40 and his 20 yard shuttle was an 18th percentile. Would you have something on that? It looks like he ran his 40 at Texas Tech's um, pro day this week. And I had it. Looks like he ran it. I've seen a couple different numbers. I've seen, I believe, a four four nine and a four five three. So we're not talking about somebody who's going to just blow anybody away. But I mean, that not somebody who's the speed's going to be a red flag that keeps you from being drafted either. No, and and that's the thing. You know, I think you had an interesting comparison when you when you uh, looked at Ezukanma that I want you to get into because uh, you know we talk about you know some players' speed relative to their size, and you know it just depends on it. Obviously, depends on how much their speed you know is compared to what it would be if you were a smaller guy. You know, because uh, that's the thing. You say I, I'll just say it. Traylon Burks is who you kind of maybe thought of a little bit, uh, you know, a, a Walmart version, maybe, you know, a poor man's <laughs> version. Um, but we just hear the four, five, five, 40 yard dash time for Traylon Burks. And you hear people excuse it saying, oh, well, you know, he's fast for his size, you know, relative to his size. Well, you need to just be fast in general. Right. Um, and as a comma, apparently that might have been a lower, a little bit lower for 40 yard dash. So he might be a little, you know, a little more fast, a little speedier than uh, Burks. But I don't know. Expand on that a little bit. I thought that was an interesting thought you had. We've heard a little bit of buzz that the Chiefs are interested in Traylon Burks, which I don't pay a lot of attention to because there's buzz that every team is interested in everybody right now. Right. After after the Tyreek Hill trade, though, it seemed like almost instantly there were some rumors connecting the Chiefs to LaVisca Chenault of the Jaguars. And then that almost fell through. And if you're not familiar with Chenault, Chenault is a very similar player to Traylon Burks. He's big. I think he's a little bit faster probably than Burks is, but I mean, he's big. He's a hybrid wide receiver running back type. He's 
more of a Devo Samuel type wide receiver. And it seemed like there were rumors almost immediately linking the Chiefs to Chenault after the Hill trade and then gone. Don't hear anything. I, think I do kind of wonder if the Chiefs are maybe looking at Izukama just as a possibly a backup plan if they do not get someone like Traylon Burks. And I'm wondering if maybe Burks is really the receiver they're, they're zoning in on. Well, and yeah, that's the other thing about Izukama too, is that he's a top 30 visit that is actually going to be maybe a legitimate draft pick, right? Uh, you know, these other top 30 visits uh, we've seen, some of, you know, I, I mentioned Devontae Wyatt, George Pickens, but some of them have kind of just been, you know, fringe seventh round picks, maybe just priority free agents. Ezukama is going to get picked. Uh, I'm looking at his consensus, you know, the mock draft database, the consensus looks like he's got some round three, round four, round five. So, you know, that mid range, mid round range uh, where he's going. So this is the Chiefs actually considering a guy that could actually, you know, be a legitimate, you know, option, um, you know, not just a, a throwaway pick, not a. You know, I always think of like a Jehu Chesson uh, back in the day, you know, kind of a, you know, a later round receiver that's just special teams doesn't really do much else. No, I mean, and, and he could turn into that, but I'm just saying in general, round three, four or five, if, if, if he does go in those round three, four, maybe, uh, you know, he's going to be, a, that's a legitimate pick. They're, they're, that's a legitimate draft capital that they're investing in him. So, um, yeah, no, I, I think it's an interesting one um, for sure that they're bringing him in. Do you have anything else on him? So in doing some research for him after, you know, after because we're trying to hit all anybody who gets connected to KC with the site visits, we're trying to hit on all them. Yes. Um, some of the research I've done on him has implied that he maybe was suffering some kind of injury late last year. I've not really found um, any of the specifics on it. He, from what I can tell, he played the full season, but was less effective over the over the end of the season. And he did skip the Liberty Bowl. He didn't play in the Liberty Bowl after he declared for the draft. And he also didn't run at the Combine. So I, I am wondering if maybe there was something something lingering that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to see if I can find out a little bit more information on before I before I publish the piece for Arrowhead Pride. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, with 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 these injuries that happen sometimes in the pre-draft process, it, it helps the teams. It helps the guy, a team like the Chiefs maybe get better value for a guy that maybe if he's healthy – Maybe he performs better in the pre-draft stuff, and maybe he goes higher, you know. Um, so it's interesting. It's definitely a guy keep watch out for. The Chiefs are obviously interested in. But here's a little segment that I'm excited to kind of dive into real quick because, you know, it's easy as a draft community. We love covering the draft. It's easy to be optimistic about everybody. It's easy to love every prospect, have, you know, look at the ceiling of every prospect without really looking at the floor. And so today we're, we're kind of just going to name a few prospects. Each of us, we need to be sold on a little more. And, you know, that's, that might be the second part of the segment down the road sometime is when someone else actually sells us on these prospects. <laughs> but for now, we're just going to, we're just going to throw these names out uh, about guys that, you know, we're just, we're just not as sold as, as it seems like the general public is. And Jared, I'm going to let you go first because Honestly, I'm with you on your guy, and I think it might be nice to talk it out a little bit. So go ahead and introduce who you need to be sold on a little more as a draft prospect. And the great thing about having such a large team at Arrowhead Pride, especially such a large team of people covering the draft, I know somebody in our group who can sell us on any of these prospects because anybody we're going to name, I know somebody who loves. Exactly. The player I kind of want to be sold a little bit more on, and he's – probably one of the flashiest, most exciting prospects going into the draft. He was one of the stars of the combine. I really need to get sold a little bit 
more on Christian Watson from South Dakota State. North Dakota State? Yeah, North Dakota State. North Dakota State, sorry. Um, and I just do not – I don't always believe in these small school guys making it to the NFL. I, I think he's going to be a fine player. I think he's – I think – I don't really see a giant bust potential for him I think he's going to have a decent career in the NFL I mean that size that speed some of these some offensive genius somewhere in the NFL is going to find a good way to use him but to see where he's going to mock drafts now to hear the buzz around him it sounds like he's going to get drafted to be somebody's wide receiver one and I just don't see that happening so that's the appealing part of him it sounds like is that I think we all kind of you know say hey he has the size but also this athletic piece where, I mean, when you have both of those things, you're a potential wide receiver one. You just naturally are. I think that's what we all tell ourselves in our heads, at least. Um, and he definitely has the potential to be. I mean, we've he has an athletic score that we've really never even seen when you're talking about relative athletic score. And so that is rare, right? And that is, you know, something. But when you watch on the field, when you watch him play, there is definitely some things where, you realize, oh, yeah, you're playing at North Dakota State. You're playing in the FCS. You know, you can catch a ball. Uh, you know, you don't have to go up for a ball and you can still catch it, right? Like, I do think there's some points where he doesn't he doesn't play as big as he is. I think he, 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 could, he could be more physical at the catch point. He could be a stronger catcher, I guess, um, and just kind of go up for a ball more, be more aggressive at the point of attack. You watch a guy like George Pickens. There's no doubt that's, that's, you know, he can do that kind of stuff. I mean, he is attacking the ball. I mean, he has some crazy, uh, you know, contested catches. And you just don't see it as much with Christian Watson, which isn't the end-all be-all, right? Christian Watson, you know, you, you it's, it's not about contested catches today in the NFL. It's, it's really about separation speed. And he does have the speed element. But I just think in general, I do think he's more of a project and, you know, might be, you know, more comfortable taking him uh, day two. Jared, I'm curious what you think about, my uh my a little comp i've i've thought up for him because i'm starting to get these martavis bryant vibes this this taller very fast dude gonna be a, a, a vertical threat for a good offense you know we'll put up points or we'll put up numbers if he is the wide receiver three in a good offense wide receiver two even maybe i think martavis is probably wide receiver two although that steelers offense had a ton of options but i just think like yeah like he could he could be that kind of guy a big play threat um but maybe just you know, where Bryant, you're never going to trust him to be in a wide receiver one. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that? Is that is that just a – I don't know. What are your thoughts? Oh, I definitely, I definitely could see that. And I think a decade ago, a really smart NFL team would have scouted him and probably turned his name in at the end of the second round or the top half of the third round. And when he's doing something like Bryant, you'd be like, look at this wide receiver two we found from this small school. Look how smart our scouts are. Yeah. In today's scouting world, there's so much film of everybody. And then he became such a star at the combine that everybody's watched his highlights. I think he's going to get drafted. And if he doesn't become a wide receiver one, I think he, he, I think he has a good chance to be, have a good career without living up to where he'll be drafted. I think that's completely fair. And, and that's what we're saying, guys. It's not about, you know, we're saying, you know, these are going to be bad prospects or bad players. You know, that is not what this is about. This is about selling us on picking them at 29 and 30 because those are valuable picks. You know, p- those first round picks, man, we got to got to make sure we're picking, you know, the right players at those spots. 
and the player I need to be sold on just a little more because I am, I do see the ceiling and I do think it's an exciting player. Brian Stewart just wrote him up for us at the site and he did a great job breaking down what he could become. But my guy is Boye Mafe, the Minnesota edge rusher, somebody that I, you know, right away from the draft process kind of highlighted as someone that's going to blow up, right? I, I, I tweeted it early. I mean, it, it's not, I'm not trying to say I called it. I think everyone could understand why he was going to blow up at the combine. Um, he's a freak athletic. He was on Bruce Feldman's freaks list um, before the college season, which, you know, Bruce Feldman does a great job of highlighting guys that are, that are just freak athletes in the college football scene. And Mafe, uh, you know, definitely proved that true in the in the pre-draft process. But that's the thing, you know, when you look at his tape, I do think there are some things where I just, you know, he has some flash plays, but there are some times where he just doesn't look as natural of a football player. Um, you know, there's definitely not any, you know, you're not seeing bend, right? You're not seeing a guy that's that's flying around the edge. And and I know that's not what he's supposed to be. Um, you know, no one's expecting that from him. But um, it's just, it, it does seem like, you know, there there's some fundamental stuff. There's some just some general, just like football stuff as a, a, you know, if we want him to be a four, three defensive end, that's the thing you see, you saw him a lot of two point stance in college. You know, maybe, maybe he is more that three, four outside linebacker uh, the, or that Sam backer. Um, he's way too bit. He's way too heavy to be a, a true linebacker, obviously, but I don't know. I just, when I think more and more about how he fits from Kansas city, I just need to be sold a little more on the fact that he he has shown enough that we can be confident that he can come in and, and be a 4-3 defensive end and really give the Chiefs what they want. Someone that can get after the quarterback too. I I just I think sometimes, you know, I don't see the flashes maybe necessarily in terms of being a really, really good pass rusher. That was a lot, Jared. And I maybe took all the points that they were to take about Mafe. But I don't know. What do you feel about Boye Mafe as a potential first round pick because it does seem like when you look at mock drafts he's going to be he's going to either go there or maybe even a little earlier than what the Chiefs pick I want to be clear this is not a player that I'm going to be mad if I hear his name called for the Chiefs at the end of the first round um I do have some concerns because it does seem like in college he mostly rushed from a standing position and it really seems like it was at the senior bowl where he really started to build up the, this buzz that he could be a good 4-3 defensive end. Yeah. So it seems like you're banking on a dude making a pretty big transition, which is fine, which is fine. I Give me high ceiling over high floor anytime in the NFL draft. The thing that kind of concerns me about asking a guy like Mafe to make this transition is his age. So he's already 23 years old. He's going to turn 24 during the season. So if you draft him, realistically, he's probably going to be, he's probably going to start with a very limited third down role. Maybe, maybe he'll be looking at a 50% snap count towards the end of the season, but you're pretty much going to take his rookie year that he turns 24 and have him learn a new position. And then maybe he'll be really good at that position when he's 25 then his rookie deals up when he's, you know, close to 28 years old. You're going to hand him a second contract yeah. that's going to take him into his 30s. Yeah, exactly. That's, you know, it is definitely something to think about when you're looking at draft prospects or age, you know, especially with the first round pick, you know, it, it, that's why, you know, sometimes it's just more valuable to take someone later, uh, you know, depending on their age. Um, and so Mafe, you know, Mafe is kind of something you have to think about with that. And I do want to make another point too, you know, when we talk about, you know, this three, four outside linebacker versus four, three DN. I think some people are quick to say, 
hey, it doesn't matter in today's NFL. There's no, you know, hey, it's four three three four. It doesn't matter. We're all in nickel. We're all in four man fronts. They're still going to be rushing off the edge. No, it's a, it, there is a difference. There is a, you know, in terms of coaching, in terms of when you have a linebackers coach versus you have a defensive line coach coaching you. That is the difference. You know, when you're in practice, you're you're practicing from an outside linebacker, you know, kind of two point stance position from base and practicing that you know, maybe practicing coverage drops a little more than you are just getting after the quarterback, working on run fits, all that kind of thing. So I think there is a major difference. I'm just going to say that. So I, I, I just, I want there to, I want that to be known. I still think Mafe has the tools to turn into a, you know, a, a guy that can get his hand in the dirt and play four, three D and I just want to be sold on a little more. And I, and I will say Brian probably did a, or Brian did do a really good job of selling it on his, on his piece. But uh, I still have some, some skepticism. So I just wanted to throw that out there, but. And um, one thing I do like about Mafe's fit in Kansas City, though, I do think that it's kind of an under-the-radar under radar coaching change when they changed their defensive line coach and brought in Joe Cohen. I mean, he's had good experience with players like that. So I, I do think that maybe, maybe the experience is in place to handle a good transition like this now that maybe was not always here before. Well, and that's another point entirely, too, is just that, you know, we don't know. Maybe that move signaled that we could be seeing a change in, in what their base front is. I mean, you know, Spags has always been a 4-3 guy, but, you know, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean he can't change. And, you know, depending on depending on what goes on, it's just this is how it goes. And, and you're right. Joe Cohen is a three more of a three, four guy. And, you know, he could help, like you said, either transition the players or transition, you know, the staff, uh, I guess, to the other side. So. That's why we are interested to see what happens this offseason. We're pumped. We're ready on, on Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. But real quick, we'll be right back on uh, from a break. We're going to get into looking at some national media mock drafts, kind of kind of grade uh, what we think, how they did. So, all right, we'll be right back on the AP Podcast Network. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back in on the Arrowhead Pride Draft Talk podcast. Appreciate you joining. Hope you're enjoying your Friday or your weekend, uh, as, as you probably are listening to this on the weekend as it comes out on Fridays. It's always a beautiful Friday in Chiefs Kingdom um, when we're talking draft because it's that type of season. So let's talk some mock drafts, man. This is what the show's all about. It was originally made to just just be, you know, all mock. And, and so that's what we're going to do here for the rest of the show is just 
not our own mock drafts, which we've been doing, and I and I think we've been doing a good job of. But we're now going to critique other people's mock drafts, uh, some of the national media members' mock drafts. Let's just see. You know, the Chiefs have two first round picks, so we got a lot of action. We got a lot of names to kind of see who you know who fits with what. You know, we obviously you know we can kind of know which which media members might have more of a connection than others, so we can kind of maybe take something from from these uh, from these connections. And so, Jared, I'll start real quick. Uh, your thoughts on Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network's mock draft. He had us sticking at 29 and 30 and taking Arnold Ebiketti and Christian Watson. You just talked about Watson, uh, someone you need to be sold on a little more. So how does that uh, figure into what you would give a grade to this draft here? Um, so I, I do need to be sold on Christian Watson. If, if they take him in the first round and Andy Reid – thinks this is the wide receiver who I'm going to build the next phase of Patrick Mahomes career around. Um, I'm, I'm going to just wait to see what happens. I'm, I'm not going to be mad about that. So I'm going to give this one a B. I really like Ibiketti. I think he would be a very strange fit for what the chiefs defense has done. seems like he's a quite a bit smaller and yeah. not really a run defender. Again, I'm wondering at this transition with the defensive line coach, if maybe maybe we're going to be more open to a guy like this than we've been. I'm, I'm going to give this one a B. I think it has a whole lot of upside. It has a very low floor, I think. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I think there is something, too, if we see this pick. Um, it would speak even more to what we are talking about, maybe with the Boye Mafe topic. And that's the thing. You know, it's not just as, as simple as 4 through 3 4 there's even these tight fronts now where you see where there's three down linemen in one, you know, two point stance. And that's the whole line. I mean, the Rams run it. I mean, it's, you know, there are some unique defensives and maybe the chiefs are trying to maybe adjust and kind of stay ahead of it. So I would give it a B too, actually. Um, we, we, I, I agree with you kind of to the point where if the chiefs are picking Watson, I'm going to go ahead and maybe start believing in him a little more. Obviously I'm going to have my personal opinions on him, but it was just the same thing when, you know, the Chiefs were up in the 2017 draft and they could have had their choice of Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes. Whatever I, I said it, I, I said it before and I'll and I'll say it till the end of time. Whichever quarterback Andy Reid is going to pick, I was going to be happy with and excited about because I just know that Andy Reid is picking his quarterback. Uh, I, you know, if, I'm not smarter than him. So <laughs> so I'll say the same thing as the Christian Watson thing. It depends on who else is on the board, obviously. But if they stay put and take him in the first round, they must believe in him. And so, yeah, Christian Watson, Arnold Ebicady, pretty good haul. B is definitely deserved there. And but I think – go ahead. For what it's worth, wasn't one of the Chiefs wide receivers coaches out there doing drills with him at the Combine? I believe – was I believe Blairmeyer might have been – Oh, yeah. The throwing drills to him. I think you're right. I think I do remember I think, that now. I could yeah. be wrong. I could be wrong. It's, it's been well over a month now, but I do believe that – the Chiefs wide receivers coach was on the field during his part of the workouts. Your excuse, man. Draft season feels like it, it's two years long. Um, and so the combine felt like it happened a year ago. So, uh, no, I, I think you're right, actually. Now that I think about it, um, Joe Blameyer was definitely running some sort of drills there. And it would make sense that it's receivers, right? Um, so we'll go ahead and make that a fact. But uh, the, dra the Draft Network's Joe Marino also had a mock draft as us sticking and staying put at 29 and 30. And he had us going Jahan Dotson, the Penn State wide receiver, and David Ojabo, the Penn or the Michigan State, or excuse me, geez, the Michigan edge rusher. Um, obviously tore his Achilles in his pro day 
and is now a guy that's probably going to be there in the later rounds or later half of the round rather than, uh, you know, where he was supposed to be originally a top 10, top 15 pick. Jared, do you have a grade for Jahan Dotson and David Ojabo? I'm I'm going to give this one an A. I really like this one. Nice. I, I, I would probably say I think Dotson is – it would not be fair for Dotson to come in here because I do think he would probably get some Tyreek Hill comparisons. Yeah. And he, he's not going to be Tyreek Hill. I mean, he can take the top off your defense. He And he's an outstanding route runner. Um, after the catch, I don't really see him being that dangerous. Like, he's going to catch a 40-yard pass, and it's going to go as a 43-yard gain. <laughs> um, but I, I, I think he's a very high-floor pick. I think that he and Mahomes would be able to make a connection. And he's somebody that you could really see have six or seven really productive seasons as a chief. I think he could be somebody who would really just become a, he's probably not going to be a superstar receiver, but I think he'd be a really dependable option for a very long time. I love the idea of taking a job out. I mean, yep. we're not going, there's 12 rookies are not making this team. So we're either going to see, you're either going to see some massive trade-ups that probably take us down to about eight picks, or you're going to see some swings on some guys that you're going to be able to stash on an entry list and maybe have ready to roll in 2023. The Chiefs are not going to get a chance at a pass rusher like this again. Yes. Anytime soon. When you got two first-round picks, I, I think you should just go ahead and take him, bet on the athleticism, be ready to roll with who I think is going to be a very, very good player for you. That is really the key point that I continue to come back to. Um, Ajabo might be my favorite pick in the first round because of that. You're right. When you're Patrick Mahomes uh, and you're the Chiefs in this era that they're in, they're never going to be picking high enough to pick a player of that talent without him getting injured in this instance. So I, I think it's a home run pick. Um, you know, you take the risk on on the injury with that. Just the value where you're picking him, I think, factors that risk in, I think, in my opinion. Um, you get the fifth-year option on top of it, too. Oh, yeah. That really that really helps. So I gave it an A-. minus. I think I love it, too. I think I was just maybe being a little conservative because, you know, I, I, there's no A-pluses on here. So I'm going A-, minus. but, you know, I, I, I guess I will say maybe the only thing is no immediate contributor uh, at edge rusher from your first round pick Ed is going to sting a little bit with how it's made up right now, but we don't with the off season isn't over. They could, they could pick another player later in, in, you know, in this scenario and make up for it a little bit. So, you know, it's still up for grabs, but moving on to the athletics, Bruce Feldman. I do think this is an interesting one. He's not necessarily an NFL guy, but he's a college football guy that had a lot of good quotes. If you're an athletic subscriber, definitely go read this. There's a lot of interesting quotes about each player he picks in his mock draft. And he actually has the Chiefs, first of all, picking Daxon Hill, safety from Michigan, and then trading out of the 30th overall pick uh, into the into the first into the second round. So only taking one first round pick. I'll, I'll start with this one re- real quick because I think right away, only getting one first round pick. You know, I know it depends on how the board falls and everything, but I'm giving this a C plus right off the bat because I really want to see them use this draft capital to get you know good assets, premium assets, and I get it. Maybe that late part of the first round isn't the exact best place. But even if it means packaging up to go get something, it just, in my opinion, it doesn't mean trading down. We already have enough draft capital. We don't need to be trading down to acquire more. If 
anything, they need to be trading up. So I really like Daxton Hill. That's why it's going to be a C plus still. But trading out, I'm just not in favor of it all. Jared, what do you think about this one? I'm going to give this one a C. And I can maybe see a scenario where you trade back and you have enough assets that maybe you're able to trade up from the end of the second round or maybe up really high in the third round. Like maybe there's a scenario where you trade back and you wind up with five picks in the top 70. Yeah. I can maybe that's true. I can maybe see the I can maybe see the logic there because I I think the strength of this draft is from about 30 to 60 as far as as far as the depth. Yeah. I I like Daxton Hill. I I think that you compare him with uh with Justin Reed. I think I think you could wind up having what it looked like for a short while we had with the honey badger and Thornhill until Thornhill's injury. I think that probably takes Justin Reed and puts him as mostly your deep sa- your deep safety. Yep. Because I mean, Daxon Hill is probably the best Matthew replace- replacement that you're going to find in this draft. It would be really hard to come out of the first round with no edge rusher and no wide receiver, especially because I think you can find safeties who will be starting safeties for a long time at the end of the second round and into the third round. That is the key point that I wanted to get to is, and I, I should have pointed it out, but you're right. It, you know, as much as I love Dax, Daxon Hill, it is a little painful to get out of this spot without addressing your edge position at all. And even receiver. And I know receiver has been kind of patched up to where maybe in 2022, you can feel good about what you see right now. Although I don't know. It's still, it's still kind of not all the way there, but, uh, I st- I'd still really like to see them take receiver early, but you're right. You are hundred percent right on your first point. They could be trading out of 30. It could be just at the very end of the top of that second round. Still, you know, they, they could not be trading back that far and they could even, it could even allow them to even trade up from that second round too. Um, so, Hey, you know, I'm not going to complain if they got more top 60, top 50 picks, but I would really like to see them use this capital they have and really take advantage of it. Not just kind of, uh, you know, not take, premium assets or, or kind of fall, you know, maybe take too many third, fourth round picks, that kind of thing. I think Brett will be aggressive and take a lot of first and second round picks total. So it'll be interesting. NFL Network's Bookie Brooks has another mock draft here. Daxon Hill as well in this one, but also he has wide receiver Sky Moore, the Western Michigan product. I've actually been kind of, he's been growing on me a little bit. I've actually kind of started to get excited about him uh, the more I've seen of him. But these two, Jared, I'll let you start here. Sky Moore and Daxon Hill, what would you grade that haul? I'm probably going to give that a B minus. I, I like Sky Moore. I don't like him as much as I like Jahan Dotson, and I think they're kind of similar players. And I think I think Dotson does more things at a high level than Moore does. And neither of them are very good. After, neither of them are what you really want to see from a wide receiver that size with the yards after the catch. I think Dotson's better after the catch than Moore is right now from what I've seen, although I'm going to admit I've not seen a ton of uh, Western Michigan clips. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, hey, that, you can't blame yourself too too much for that one, Western Michigan. Not not always on ESPN. No, but I, I still like Daxon Hill. I mean, if, if you're going to get a safety, he's probably – yeah, the best safety that we realistically have a chance to get. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I do think, see, I like Lewis seen as a just general safety prospect better than Daxon Hill, but I admit that Daxon Hill would probably uh, fill a little more of what the Chiefs kind of need at safety right now. Um, and I do think that cornerback versatility, it does seem like Spags has started to kind of welcome that a little more with the Legereus Sneed stuff, because um, it does seem like in the past he's always just trusted perimeter guys to be perimeter guys and not really messed with that. But it does seem like the luxurious need thing. Maybe that's made him think a little bit. Hey, this versatility might be an asset for me. And Daxon Hill definitely has that versatility. You actually talk, you hear from a guy like Daniel Jeremiah. He thinks he can just straight up play corner. Like if, if Daxon Hill just wanted, if wanted to be a corner, he'd just be corner, which I see that because he was a slot corner in college, pretty much exclusive, not exclusively, but 70% of his snaps. Um, so yeah, go ahead. And and if you have a, if you have a, I know we all focus on our positions. Ultimately, I think the teams that draft the best, just they take the best chance to improve their football team overall. The pass rush would still just be terrifying if you don't take care of it in the first round. But if you're going to have a less than average pass rush, it's going to help to have a really good secondary and a secondary that's built around um, Justin Reed, Daxton Hill, Legereus Sneed, who I'm assuming right now is probably going to get a second contract in Kansas City. I mean, he'll be contract extension eligible after this season. I mean, that gives you a chance to have a really young secondary that's going to be together for a few years probably. I like it. Being being able to address that and just have three dudes in the secondary, that's not nothing. No, it isn't. And and we've we've talked about it over and over. But, I mean, like they could – double up on edge in the second round and all of a sudden, you know, maybe we, we, you know, they're just stocking up on pieces on the defensive line rather than really getting top end talent. And then maybe they're a lot, you know, that's the old Patriots way, isn't it? You know, kind of get really good in the secondary and kind of manufacture pass rush. Brendan Daly was a part of that, you know, in new England. So, you know, maybe they have that, maybe they kind of think if we can't get one of those guys, we really like at edge in the first round, maybe we just really strengthen that, uh, that secondary and then just throw bodies at the defensive line and see what happens. You said B minus for this one. I, I should say I, I gave it a B plus because Sky Moore has grown on me a lot. I will say it just doesn't get into that a because of that edge rush thing. I would like to see edge rush addressed um, rather than uh, Sky Moore or Daxon Hill. I, I as much as I like Sky Moore, I would rather them take uh, an edge rusher than the receiver there if it's more. But good morning football is Peter Schrager had one. <laughs> you hear Jared there. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I like Peter Schrager and I, I, I really trust him as a, it's not just cause he's touted the Chiefs. Yeah. Um, I, I really trust him as a national media source. I feel like he, he is, he's, uh, honest about, you know, what he's hearing. You can kind of tell uh, when he gets just a little too excited yeah. about stuff. I, I'm groaning cause I don't like this one. And if Schrager says something about the Chiefs, I, I usually listen. Right. <laughs> well, then we might as well get into it because, what he has the Chiefs doing at the end of the first round is, first of all, selecting Travis Jones, the defensive tackle from Connecticut, UConn. Um, you know, that's an interesting pick in the first round. First of all, you know, I've been mocking him. I think we've all been mocking him in the second round. Maybe pick 50 um, would be, you know, some good value. But then he has him trading out of 30 as well. So the Chiefs' only first-round pick is Travis Jones in this mock. You know, without really knowing what is what the second round looks like for the Chiefs in that instance, Jared, what is your grade for for Travis Jones as the only Chiefs first round pick this year? I do think Travis Jones is a good player. I think yes, and I do think he would be a good fit for us. And I mean, 
I think especially, you know, after the recent signing you let off the show with, I think that we can probably start the season with the defensive tackles we have in place. Absolutely. But, you know, nobody except Chris Jones is under contract past this year. I think Tershawn Wharton is going to be controllable in a probably exclusive rights free agency, but Chris Jones has a very bloated contract and, you know, Nadi and Saunders, they're going to be free agents too after this season. So for the long term, it's probably not the worst move, but again, you're telling me we're going to come out of the first round and not address wide receiver, not address edge. Although, you know, if your defense tackles are really, really good working together, you can get by with, lesser edge players yeah I just it it would be i really don't like it a because we don't address those needs and i also really don't like it because i actually don't think it's that far-fetched that we're going to sit up and watch the entire draft <laughs> and we're going to end with something like this so yeah that's we talk about peter schrager off the bat you know he's loved up on the chiefs a little bit um i think he may have you know a little info maybe on on what goes in and cheat on uh one airhead drive and so when you see him have the chiefs take travis jones yeah it makes you think maybe he knows a little something um you know obviously it's not you know there's no guarantee that that's what it is but i it is kind of funny you mentioned you know Defensive tackle is really the one position I would say. Maybe not the, and maybe offensive line too, but defensive tackle is like the one position. If they didn't address it for the rest of the offseason in draft or free agency, you're probably feeling pretty good about what it looks like week one. Oh, yeah. Um, which is hilarious that, you know, that would be the one position they take a first round pick with. Uh, Cause you, you know, usually you kind of expect your first round picks to be, you know, a, immediate contributors. So that would be well, funny. It, it would not be unheard of for Brett Veach to, get ahead right now of what he sees as a 2023 need. Again, I'm groaning because I don't think this is the most far-fetched scenario. I saw a lot of reactions on Twitter about it. Like this is a joke. This, I, I would, this is not something I would say could never happen. Agreed. No. And, and you have made this point, um, you know, behind the scenes at AP and, you know, I think it's just, you can, you can see it in the history, but with Brett Veach's first round picks, he definitely likes to address more of a long-term big picture need rather than maybe an immediate need, you know, with those first picks. And this would fit that, right? You just mentioned it. No defensive tackles besides Chris Jones are under contract after this year. And hey, let's be honest about Chris Jones. You know, if they want to get cheaper and younger, mm. you know, next offseason. So yeah, it, it is it is interesting to think about, but I gave it a D plus. Uh yeah, I, I'm not very a fan of it. Did you say what grade you gave it? Uh I think I gave it a D. Fair enough. Fair enough. So with this last one, this one might be the most interesting of them all, honestly. Um, ESPN's Todd McShay. He is the only one of this. uh, We have six listed here that has the Chiefs trading up, which I do find interesting because I do think I think it might depending on how much it takes, obviously. But I do think it's a very strong possibility with all this draft capital. Why not go up and get a guy? You're never going to have this much draft capital again. And so he has them trading up. This is a little unrealistic trading up with the Chargers, but I guess, yeah, you know, on. yeah. So trading up to 17 with the LA Chargers to get Jamison Williams and then sitting back at number 30 with the other first round pick and taking Boye Mafe. So, Jared, unless, unless the Chargers have some insider info on Jamison's knee, 
the Chargers are not going to watch Tyreek Hill leave the division and then help the Chiefs replace him with Jamison Williams. That, that's not going to happen. Would this be as as dumb, or maybe not dumb, but would this compare to the Orlando Brown uh, Ravens trade? Just, hey, the Chiefs' only real need is, is left tackle. Let's just trade him a left tackle. Uh, and I mean, then, and then ironically, if they had hung on to Orlando Brown and saw what happened with Ronnie Stanley, they would be franchising him and probably saying, this is our left tackle going forward. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, How funny. I'm going to give this one an A. I mean, again, I like flashy. I like upside. I I think that if if you go into a draft looking for the highest floor option all the time, you know, I think you're going to build a lot of eight and nine, nine and eight teams. So, you know, you got got this draft capital. You got the chance to – to take two players who legitimately have star potential. I'm good. I do not think that the chargers are going to trade with the chiefs. (laughs) I think that is a pretty safe bet, Jared. Uh, Yeah, no, I gave it an a two. Honestly, if if the chiefs come away with Jamison Williams in this draft, I honestly could, could not, could not care less about what happens the rest of the draft. I'm going to be honest. I would be ecstatic if the Chiefs got Jamison Williams in this draft. I really think he'd be that much of a difference maker. Obviously not right away uh, with the ACL, although it does seem like he's he's recovering pretty dang quick. So you never know. Today's modern science, I mean, shoot, maybe it, it's not real. It's not unrealistic to expect him to contribute in 2022. But, uh, yeah, I got to say, any draft that comes away with Jamison Williams on the Chiefs, I will grade very, very highly. Um, so, And without having to trade up, super high like did he say what they gave up to move and move to pick 17 he did not know but i imagine i imagine it would take i believe it would probably take like pick 50 maybe maybe probably 50 and a fourth rounder yeah maybe uh maybe they can couple together you know maybe well that's probably what you want to do is just one of the seconds in a in a fourth um keep your two thirds in another second yeah i would i would yeah, that, I guess that's a, a, another thing we need to make clear is that if there is a possibility to trade up for Jameson Williams and, yeah, let's just say hypothetically it takes a second and a fourth, I'd, I'd say so. Yeah, I, I would say yes. Yes, yes please. Because <laughs> you still have that pick at 30. You can always trade back from there, and then, boom, maybe you grab another fourth rounder, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're only missing a second rounder, and you have two second rounders again. So, you know, it's interesting. But, Jared... That was a great show. No, I, I that was a great uh, discussion of the draft. I hope everyone listening enjoyed it. Breaking everything down. We're only three weeks away. So, you know, in about three weeks, we will have a lot more new Chiefs, a lot more guys who break down and get excited about. Um, but for now, we're just going to keep uh, breaking down guys that we either hope or do not hope uh, make it to the Chiefs or are picked by the Chiefs. So, uh, Jared, real quick. I will give you the chance to, uh, I, you know, I, we've kind of, we've kind of plugged uh, stuff you got going on right now, but just make sure the people know where to find you and what you got coming out at the site. Okay. I can be found on Twitter at, at Truman Chief. Uh, sometime probably over the weekend, might be early next week, depending on the publishing schedule. Um, I'm going to finish and have a breakdown of Texas Tech wide receiver, Eric Izukama. There you go. Who, you know, <laughs> could possibly 
possibly be our gadget player next year. Could maybe do some exciting things for us. Could possibly have us going crazy that he can't get away from cornerbacks. Um, but I should have that published probably over the weekend or early next week. Well, I appreciate it, Jared. It's been fun. I uh, hope, like you, like I said, hope the listeners had a good time. Guys, make sure you rate and review on the podcast channel. Give us some five stars wherever you listen, whether it's Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever. Um, we just love talking Chiefs, and we hope you enjoy listening to Chiefs talk. And keep up on the site. We got dr- plenty of draft content coming out, whatever else comes out in Chiefs kingdom. We got it all covered. So appreciate you listening, and we will catch you next time.